With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Nerds and geeks, hold on to your seats because it's about to go down. Welcome to Nerdorama, the voice of the nerd nation. I'm Mo Kelly, he's Tawala Sharp, and together we bring you your daily dose of nerd news, analysis, and conversations with the best and brightest of the nerdverse. Tawala Sharp, King Nerdificent. Where do you want to start tonight? Should we start with Michael B. Jordan? Should we start with WandaVision or the Netflix Marvel character rights? What do you want to start? We have, we, we have to start with Michael B. Jordan teaming with Reginald Hudlin to produce the Static Shock movie. Now, it seems that Michael B. Jordan is an undercover nerd because he can choose whatever project he wants to do. Of course, he, most people most recently saw him as Killmonger in Black Panther. So he's staying within this genre. What is in it for him as far as Static Shock is concerned? Well, beyond being a producer of one of the most important characters in DC Comics' Milestone Universe, Michael B. Jordan has proven that he has a knack for, pity, for picking these unsung kind of superhero stories. Remember, he is also the same producer who brought us Ken. Yep. I don't know if you saw that. Ken was really good. And Raising Dion. Mm-hmm. Both of those are productions from Michael B. Jordan's Outlier Society. This, however, will be his first big-budget production of a hero which arguably is the first I'll say modern day black superhero beyond Luke Cage, beyond John Stewart, Green Lantern, you know, Blade and, and some of the other characters who, although they were African-American characters, Static Shock is the first modern era superhero. This is a young man who grew up in a gang infested neighborhood and, you know, but he is a nerd. He he likes playing video games. He he kind of stays to himself. And in his neighborhood, this kind of explosion goes off, giving everyone in in the neighborhood superpowers. You know, those who are in the gang, they started calling them, you know, bang babies. You know, and Static Shock, instead of using his powers to, you know, for crime or to to really take over the neighborhood. He said, no, I'm actually going to stand up and do something. This is quite possibly for me. This is one of the best stories to come to film when it does. When you say produce this, do they have any type of timetable for this? Because, you know, there's no telling when any of the movies which were already in production, whether they're going to hit the big screen or if they're going to hit the streaming app. I mean, do they have any timetable on this one? They don't have a timetable yet, but in different conversations that Reginald Hudlin has had, um, he has indicated that he is not opposed 
to it coming to the HBO Max app, where Mm -hmm. a lot of big budget DC product is coming. The Green Lantern series, that is no small undertaking, and that's going straight to the HBO Max app instead of trying to rush it to a theater and actually short changes as far as the storytelling goes. I would actually hope that they do this on the HBO Max app because with what we've seen as far as production for series like Watchmen and Lovecraft Country, they know how to put together the wow factor in their series on HBO Max. I would really love it if they did the same with this. Very quickly, I do want you to hit on how Netflix Marvel character rights, because you mentioned Luke Cage. We're also talking about Jessica Jones, Daredevil, and Iron Fist. Those characters existed in on Netflix, but they weren't part of the MCU. They were taken away from Netflix, and there was like a two-year uh, rights moratorium where they couldn't use the characters. That is now expired. What is getting ready to happen with them? Well, it is expired for, first and foremost, Iron Fist. Iron Fist, the, the, the claws on Iron Fist ran out on October 12th. Luke Cage runs out on October 19th. And I believe Daredevil and Jessica Jones, they run out closer to, uh, middle of November and Punisher, uh, closer towards 2021. What this means is the MCU will now have the ability to use these characters freely in their film and future television, you know, uh, projects as they will. Will they oh. use the same, uh, actors and do the same stories? Doubtful. But the idea of being able to use these characters in their stories is great, you know, just period. And especially well, with what they're about to do with WandaVision, cause they're about to go there with her powers, Mo. You think we've seen her powers? We have not. I thought they held her yet. back because I thought she was one of the most powerful uh, people in the MCU and they really held her back as far yes. as powers. And and now we're going to see why we're going to see what, when she has a mental break, you're going to see how she has the ability to alter the very universe. Oh, it's about okay. to get scary, man. And that's supposed to come scary before stuff. the end of the calendar year, isn't it? Yeah, that that's, they say um, it's supposed to be coming in December. Although there are uh, different, you know, sources out there that are saying we're supposed to be getting it by, um thanksgiving don't know just know it is supposed to be coming out before the end of the calendar year well i mean disney uh, and the disney plus app they have a lot of good stuff coming because they have the mandalorian coming at the end of this month uh they have pixar soul on christmas and i yeah. what else is coming uh, um, obviously wandavision but uh WandaVision, there's something else uh still um the uh falcon and the winter soldier we're supposed to get in that early 2021 mm-hmm. um and uh and the loki series the loki series will also be coming our way soon um and and really with 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 uh marvel there's also supposed to be what a a rogue one prequel series with um with uh cassie and andor so curious about that one as well the the production on that one is supposed to be finished oh 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 and the bad batch the bad batch Based on 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 the animated uh, Clone War series, that oh really the the, the stormtroopers, you know, clones yeah. that we saw, yeah that we were introduced to, man, they are about to get their own series, which is said to be fantastic. Well, you know anything that Clone Wars does is fantastic, so I don't know how they could possibly go wrong. And there you have it.
Hello and welcome to Buy Power, the only online comic book review column that's on the ballot in 26 states. My name is Hannibal Taboo and you can find everything you need to know about me at sign H-A-N-N-I-B-A-L-T-A-B-U on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Rays of Sunlight, dreams that you had as a child or the forgotten hopes that you now know you'll never achieve. You can also find me at HannibalTaboo.com and I'm going to move straight into the reviews because that's what we're here to do. These are reviews for books that came out October 14th, 2020. And starting off, we have the first section of our reviews called The Buy Pile. For books that were either so good, they demanded to be purchased in the moment, as our first book will be, or books from a series that has been having more than three consecutive purchase-worthy issues in a row that will maintain the status until it has three not-so-purchase-worthy issues in a row. Let's begin with a brand new book. Commanders in Crisis, number one from Image Comics, with the creative team of Steve Orlando, David Tinto, Francesca Caro Tenuto, so I hope I'm pronouncing that right, and Fabio Amelia. This bold, jam-packed debut issue wears its politics on the sleeve as that arm punches a bad guy in the face. Carefully balancing exposition, plot, development, and action, this new superhero concept takes hints of things you know while introducing all new characters and a bigger-than-life threat. First, the Dramatis Personae. Five heroes have banded together as the Crisis Command, first responders against threats beyond law enforcement or the military. Prize fighter Noah Rowe, has powers that are a reflection of Marvel's gladiators. He is as strong, presumably durability as well, as onlookers believe he is. Seer, Scarlet Davis, is a, quote, quantum god, one minute at a time, able to foresee the future and wield energies for levitation, a kind of telekinesis, and limited tactical precognition. Sawbones, Ignacio Mendez, is an action surgeon, end quotes there, with great skills of marksman and melee combatant, using powers similar to Marvel's Karnak to detect weaknesses and illnesses in people around him, including having a kind of x-ray vision. Originator, Sumaira Shamsi, is a real doozy, a kind of semantic magician who can remix word roots to utter new terms that alter reality for 24 hours. Finally, Frontier, Nina Next, is a science hero in the Oracle Iron Man mold, who brought them all together and has a plan. Somehow, Steve Orlando's immaculate script doesn't just introduce each character, give each character a moment to shine, and reveal information about them and their behaviors. He also introduces some B-plot material, shocking federal legislation, and ties the whole thing together with a murder mystery that bookends the narrative. There's another secret about these five heroes revealed in the pages herein that's a little wishful, but well done in its reveal. Let's talk about the visual storytelling from Francesca Caratanuto, Fabio Amelia, and co-creator David Tinto. If you like the very engaging Wild Guard from Todd Nock or Noble Causes, this intricate and crystal clear artwork will be right up your alley with great abilities to convey information and dig deep into character. Each of these things, balancing so many elements in a script, putting so much information and images without making it busy, is really hard. But everyone on this team brings it like they were FedEx. The last page makes you want more, and the page before makes you feel like you finished something enjoyable. To do all that with brand new characters no one knows and make it in this enjoyable is a huge accomplishment. So that rating would be by. Next up, we've got Seven Secrets Number 3 from Boom Studios with the creative team of Tom Taylor, Danielle Di Nucuolo, Walter Biamonte, and Ed Dukeshire. Third time is certainly the charm as the new adventure series from Boom Studios again hits every note perfectly. With cinematic camera angles, effective characterization, and lore that gets more effective with each issue, this is your new favorite comic book. A teenager named Casper has a chance to step into a role of importance with a secret order 
charged with guarding seven briefcases holding secrets that cannot come to light. This organization is his whole world as he's never known a life outside of it and has gained skills to rival any of its best operatives. The cost for his entry into these trials, however, is grand in emotional and organizational terms and both takes and gives him great opportunities for character development. Like the trials of Themyscira, there's not much doubt that the gifted prodigy will succeed, but even how that happens carries surprises. Ironically, some of the structure of this wonderful Tom Taylor script is similar to The Devil Wears Prada, with obviously a very different ending. There are no fewer than four moments where the emotion of the story comes at you in a rush, and each one is beautiful in its own way, especially that one moment that James Tiberius Kirk would have chosen for himself. Then there's the visuals from Danielle Di Nicuolo, Walter Biamonte, and Ed Dukeshire. The choices for framing these shots, the arrival in the rain, the plank, are like the works of a master director. The fight scenes sizzle with vigor, the coloring makes ominously wonderful lighting choices, there's just so much to like here. As adventure series go, this is top notch and each issue has gotten better than the last. One might say, wow, but there's a much more relevant and effective word for this book, and that would be rating by. Next up, we have The Legend of Yuck Mouse, number one from Verse Comics, with the creative team of B. Van Randall, Jarrell Threat, and Dave Lentz. Tawala might actually know a little bit about this one, remembering Yuck Mouse from the hip-hop group The Loonies, but let's dig in here. With striking and crisp visuals, this bold new issue is filled with ominous atmosphere and chilling moments, like the movie Belly, it masters the visual elements of emotion, intimidation, confidence, determination, and codifies it in the sequential arc. A mysterious and powerful man rolls up on the storefront of Olivia, a self-proclaimed clairvoyant and psychic medium, on a rainy, gloomy night. He's there for answers, and his reputation precedes him. B. Van Randall gives every line of dialogue weight and intent, as Olivia struggles with her fear and the man called Yuckmouth as he wearily puts one foot in front of another. Likewise, the cinematic and gorgeously stark artwork of Jarrell Threat and Dave Lentz gives us a noirish feel to match its supernatural edge. If the name Yuckmouth is familiar, it might be from the 1990s group The Loonies, most famous for their song I Got Five on it, most recently immortalized in the Jordan Peele horror film Us. Now, the idea of a serene immortal stepping out of the back of a Bentley is a long way from the guy who said, I got some bucks on it, but it ain't enough on it. There's no clear-cut connection between the two, but when you look back at that gorgeous but stillborn Nine Rings of Wu-Tang comic book, it was as far from Staten Island as this is from Oakland in the 1990s. That isn't a bad thing but clearly a thing that caused some cognitive dissonance for anyone who read the solicitations text. Ultimately, though, it's the lack of actual story content that keeps this from achieving greatness. Too little happens to justify the purchase price, and by the end of the issue, you've learned some things about the title character, but not enough to give you a grounding in what's going on. It feels good, but it doesn't connect in the final analysis, which is a shame because there's so much good stuff happening here. That rating would be honorable mention. Sorry, I skipped a mention of what honorable mentions are. That's the second section of our reviews. Stuff that was good, but not good enough to get your money. Let's keep moving. Next up, we have Hellions number 5 from Marvel Comics with the creative team of Zeb Wells, Carmen Carnero, David Curiel, and Ariana Maher. The X of Swords crossover is less a series of tales told in multiple avenues and more a single tale weaving through the periodical schedules of multiple series. As such, reviewing Hellions number 5, or Cable number 5, or New Mutants 13, which also came out this week, it's not exactly like a regular comic book review, as you don't get a story in any of these. You get a scene from a larger work, interpreted by a creative team. This issue, however, had the distinction of a dazzling performance from Mr. Sinister. Everyone in the aligned mutant sphere of existence is worked up about an upcoming fight between the champions of Arako, the splintered other half of the sentient island of Krakoa, and the children of the Atom, who live on Krakoa, 
chosen for this by some cockamamie prophecy of some sort. Your pal, rogue geneticist Mr. Sinister, gets an idea, one he hopes will shower him with glory and not actual, you know, work. Sinister says, What if we let my Hellions do what they do best? He asks the ruling body of Krakoa, the Quiet Council. Lie, cheat, and steal until Arako's swords are ours. How would they challenge us then? The plan is briefly discussed in two other books out this week, each kooky in their own ways, but not as engaging as this, so call that a de facto meh review if you should be so inclined, as it is the fastest way to victory. However, based on this being parts 06 of 22, it's almost certainly doomed to fail. Nonetheless, with bombastic, even Dr. Bombay could say is a bit much sinister, who's very focused on his cape game, ends up leading this collection of murderers and redemption-seeking weirdos into adventure. The writing from Zeb Wells provides a number of great gags, with the exasperated Psylocke, the Quanon version, not the English stuck-up version, acting as the straight man to Sinister's relentless punchlines and bon mots. The offbeat banter here is like a low-impact version of Next Wave, and that indeed is a good thing. Likewise, the depictions from Carmen Carnero, David Curiel, and Ariana Meyer give the over-the-top nature of Sinister's machinations great charm. If this were a story under itself, it might have done well. Alas, it cuts off in what should have been the start of its second act, paced for laughs and not for even-handedness. It'll likely be much more enjoyable in the inevitable omnibus, so that rating is honorable mention. The third section of the review is called The Meh Pow for books that were, eh, you know, the good and the bad kind of washed each other out in a kind of gray melange of, of ennui, as you were. There we have... Star Wars Darth Vader number 6 from Marvel Comics with the creative team of Greg Pak, Raffaele Ienko, Neeraj Manon, and Joe Caramagna. It is said that studying to become a Jedi Master was a hard life with danger and uncertainty. In this issue, we see that the instructional elements for a Sith are not at all easier, with the erstwhile Anakin Skywalker facing Palpatine's harsh discipline after the emo adventures on Naboo. His return to Coruscant is met with force lightning and accusation. Aside from the surprising fact that the non-human Grand Vizier, Mas Ameda, now canonically survived past the Empire Strikes Back, FYI, Empire, super racist against non-humans, FYI. Anyway, this gives Vader a humbling moment of great clarity as he fights against the very people who empower him. The eye candy from Raphael, Ienko, Neeraj Manon, and Joe Caramagna, the latter wielding a wicked cackle, puts the reader right into the heart of the Empire at its apex. Greg Pak's script is drenched in canonical continuity, as shown by the score of sepia flashbacks to cinematic moments etched in fandom's memory. Alas, therein lies the issue. This slavishly stays close to things you already know, while failing to deliver much that's new or innovative. Like many seasons of Saturday Night Live, this accurately mimics the details of the intellectual property without invoking its spirit. It's not a deficit of craft, but one of creativity. In and of itself, Star Wars has always shown there's nothing wrong with a cover or a remix, but unless you change it up a little, it's karaoke. It is again disappointing to see Vader be a punching bag in his own comic, but this seems to be the directive of the story group. The mythic villain is replaced with the broken former slave pretending at power. So that rating would be meh. final section of our reviews is called No, Just No. It's for books that are abjectly terrible, should not be purchased under any circumstances. I'm very happy to report no books received that dubious distinction this week. We've got some great books here, so we're going to call this week a winner. We'll be very excited to come back to you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Mo and Tawala for having me here. Y'all be safe.
Hey guys, Mo Kelly here. The new daily Nerdorama podcast is featured on iHeartRadio. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast feed to get your daily dose of nerd news. Also available on iTunes, Spreaker, and all the top podcasting apps. It's free and perfect for everyone in your nerd family. Nerdorama is produced by Tuala Sharp and continues to be a segment on the Mo Kelly Show. Weekends on KFI Los Angeles. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nerdorama News. Until next time, keep it comic. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.